We're going to continue on this morning in a series in Exodus that we started several weeks ago or a few months ago. Uh, And in this series, we have looked at um, God's uh, necessary grace for his glory. We've considered the fact that God intervenes into the life of his people and it appears and it feels like that God has abandoned us and that he has left and he's departed and we're all on our own to try to figure this out. And in the book of Exodus, if you're familiar with that book, it is a book that is filled full of heartache and pain and slavery and tribulation and ultimately an awful lot of death. And so you could come up with so many different God's cruel irony in the way that he interacts with his people. But I've chosen to, to title this series, God's Necessary Grace. And the reason I've entitled that is the, the, the Israelites who were in Egypt were supposed to leave. This is all just a little bit of a reminder. They were supposed to leave Egypt and go to the land of Canaan, which was going to be the promised land. But as all people do, when you assimilate into a lifestyle, and they at some point, it wasn't just 400 years of slavery. As they assimilated into Egypt, life became comfortable and it was good. And they were prosperous for a short, for a time being. And they also started to acclimate into the foreign gods of the Egyptians. And because of all of that, they didn't leave. They didn't obey the commands within Scripture given to them through the prophets telling them, you're only going to be in slavery for a short season. Or in the land of Egypt, you need to leave and go to your own land. And so as often uh, as God does in our lives, when he needs to step in with his necessary grace, and God will do whatever he has to to get back our attention. And so that grace and that hardship that comes is grace, and it's necessary to draw us back under the shadow and under the wings of our very gracious and tender King. Uh, Just two weeks ago, when we were last together, Tom Wood preached the passage in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and it's the story of Moses encountering the, the burning bush. And Tom Wood, as he preached, shared with us just a, just a couple highlights from that sermon. And uh, he asked the question, what takes your breath away? As Moses walked up to this bush that was burning, but yet it wasn't being consumed. And then all of a sudden, this bush, which is this inanimate object, starts to speak to him and call him by name. And Pastor Wood suggested, that should take your breath away. And when you have an encounter with the living God, and if you see him for who he truly is and who you truly are in relationship to him, he is big, we're small, he is mighty, we're not, that should take your breath away. He suggested God's holiness should overwhelm us. It should overwhelm us with a sense of how holy he is and how unholy and sinful we are. But yet, for some reason, like he did with Moses, he initiated a conversation with us and into relationship with him. 
Well, this morning we're going to continue on with Moses. And the end of Tom's sermon, he suggested this, and he didn't really flesh it out, so we're going to this morning, but he suggested, we are a people who have been given a mission, and that involves an extraordinary life. And so this morning, if you are in Christ, you have been given a mission. And we're going to pause as we read this scripture, and we're going to look at just a snippet of the life of Moses, and we're going to drill down into a little bit the, the call and the mission that God has placed on him, and end with what in the world does that have to do with us? Uh, let me pray, and then we're going to jump into this passage of scripture. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be present and that you would teach us this morning. Father, would you give us a sense of your pleasure and a sense of your joy Would you bring great rest to weary hearts and minds and souls? Father, for those of us who need to be convicted of sin, would you please come and do that tenderly and whisper through your spirit into our ears and into our our soul and do whatever is necessary to wake us up and to, to help us to understand that you have ownership of our lives. And because you have ownership, because you have pulled us out of slavery, you have given us a calling and a mission that we are to live by. Father, teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at the the passage of Scripture this morning a little different than we normally do. Instead of reading all the way through the passage and then having all of the points afterwards, we're just going to look at the passage and divide it into two. And then all I have is two points this morning. So we're going to read the first part, discuss it a little bit, and then go to the second one. But the first picture that I want you to see here this morning in the life of Moses as we get started, and it's just this simple picture, and we see a man with a message. That's it. It's not rocket science. We see in Moses a man who's been given a message. And again, I just want to say, uh, jumping ahead of ourselves, if you are in Christ, you are a person, whether man or woman, you have been given a message as well. Uh, Follow along with with me if you would. Exodus chapter 3, reading verses 16 through the end of the chapter. And we're told this in verse 16. God says to Moses, as they're standing there still at that burning bush, Go and gather the elders of, of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me saying... I observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Parasites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I I want you to consider this. God's given him a message to go. This isn't optional. This is a command. I own you, and I'm telling you to go, and here's the message. But then there's this big but that he gives Moses, and it's a but that nobody wants to ever hear when you've been called to do something for the Lord. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. 
In other words, Moses, where you're going to go and you're going to do what I'm going to command you, and it isn't going to work. You are not going to have immediate success. It is going to be difficult and hard, but I'm telling you to go and do what I've commanded to you. But then he says, he will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Um, Verse 20 So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike Egypt with all of the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians." You shall plunder the Egyptians. Um, what do you dream of? I'm not, not asking that question from the standpoint of when you're laying awake or when you're laying in bed sleeping at night, what do you dream of? Typically, at least from my own experience, you have no control whatsoever over what you're dreaming of. And so I'm not asking that. But when you're in the car driving for an extended period of time or you're doing something that is incredibly mundane and you don't really have to focus on it and your mind wanders and you start to dream, what do you dream of? What captivates your heart? What consumes you? What drives you? This is where I want to go and this is what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. For those of you who have children, what do you dream of for your children? What do you dream of vocationally? What do you dream of relationally with your spouse or your best friend? What do you dream of? This is what I want life to look like. But now I want you to take that and I want you to ask this question and I want you to see, without speaking out loud answer-wise, I want you to see if these connect with each other. Does that which you dream of, does it intersect with or does it run parallel but have nothing to do with the other, God's call and the mission that he's placed you on? In other words, does your dream for your life and God's dream for you, what he's dreaming of, this is what it will look like for you tomorrow and the next day in five years from now and 20 years from now, do those two things intersect and go together hand in hand? Are they going opposite directions? Or are they going parallel? And I'm allowing to some degree both of those dreams to become a reality. I just don't bring them together and mix them. Meaning, I have my dreams in my life and what I want to do. And I also have this sacred part where I allow God dreams to come into play. Some of the times, I just don't bring the two worlds together. What do you dream of? Moses surely was a man who had some dreams as a young boy who grew up as a prince in the, uh, in the kingdom of Egypt. He was a young boy who had dreams, who grew up uh, in the best of education that a young man could receive. This is a man luxury, but yet somehow he rejected it all. And somehow intuitively and instinctively, because of the spirit of God that was at work in him, he knew that something wasn't right. And so if you remember, 
He ended up, because of an action that he did in killing an Egyptian um, uh, manager of slaves, he ended up going out into the wilderness and spent 40 years. And so in this passage where we see Moses is approximately 80 years old, where once again, God has stepped in and for the first time, although he's probably heard of this Yahweh for 80 years, he now hears this voice for the first time where God tells him, I am the God of your fathers, Moses. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. I am who I am. And at that moment, any dream that Moses had as he had come into this place of, of comfort, living as a sheep herder out in the desert for working for his father-in-law Jethro, whom we knew he respected and loved greatly. And then God steps in and he makes him a man with a message and his dreams are diverted. And the truth is, just like us, Moses starts giving all kinds of objections to God. And the first objection, if you remember from Tom Wood's sermon, his first objection to this message that's been placed on him, who, who am I, God? <laughs> clearly you have the wrong person here. Please don't send me. They're never going to listen to me. If you remember, I used to be among them, and then I killed one of them. And for these last 40 years, I've lived in the desert. I'm just a peasant. Who am I to serve as your mouthpiece? And God answers that with some strong words. And then his second objection, well, who are you? Who, who am I going to tell them is the one who has placed this calling on me, has sent me? How do I tell them that this being speaking from a burning bush has told me that I'm going to be their leader? Who are you? And God says, I am who I am. You tell them that I am has sent you. And in hearing those words, they would know exactly what he meant. And so now we get to this passage that we just read, and, and God says to Moses, go. Go and gather all of the elders together and speak to them this message. And I just want to look real quickly, what, what was the message that Moses had? And, and it's just simply a retelling of the story a little bit. But we see here that Moses went to or was told to go to the elders of the Israelites, whom he was one of them. He was not an Egyptian. He was to go to the elders of the Israelites and bring to them a message 